following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you the list of The Simpsons, AP Bio, Alpha House, Transformers, Bongo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I Love Lucy, Saturday Night Live, The Lion King, Battlestar Galactica, Bicentennial Man, Avengers, Endgame, Seinfeld, and... Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or an episode of a TV show and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots or dinosaurs, or robotic Santa Clauses that gun you down when they come to town. Uh, I, I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always is my co-host, a returning co-host this time. So you'll remember her from one of last year's holiday episodes where we talked about Star Trek Generations, the one, the only, Amanda Nicastro. Amanda, welcome to the show. Ho, 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 ho. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Brilliant introduction. Amanda, why don't you tell the listeners what uh, show, what episode of what show we're going to be talking about today on Robots vs. Dinosaurs. We are going to be talking about the Xmas story episode from Futurama, which is in the second season. I don't remember what episode number it is, uh, but it is the one we're introduced to the Santa Claus robot of destruction and death. <laughs> yes, that's Voiced right. Voiced by John Goodman. Voiced by John Goodman. Um, so I am, uh, th- this this podcast is going to be covering all of the Futurama episode, the, the holiday episodes of Futurama, of which I clocked three, um, that we may or may not do in uh, the movie Bender's Big Score. There's a, there's, a num- there's a musical number between Robot Santa and I think Kwanzaa Bot. And, uh, and so I might, if there's time, do do an episode covering that as well. But this is the first of three holiday episodes where Robots vs. Dinosaurs is going to be talking about Futurama. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm saying that now because I recorded these out of order and I found out a very interesting fact when I recorded the, the upcoming next episode, because <laughs> these are going to be released in, in chronological order, um, that yes, John Goodman voiced Robot Santa in this episode. There was another Xmas episode called A Tale of Two Santas. And I was informed by my guest when we recorded that. I because I made the blunder of saying, like, this sounds a lot like John Goodman. And he said, Yeah, it's because they got John Goodman for this one, but they couldn't get him to come back. So John DiMaggio is um basically doing a John Goodman impression in the next oh. episode. Oh. It's wild. Oh, that's that's fascinating. Wonder what I wonder what Goodman was was up to where he was like, nah, I did my Futurama guest spot and I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, or he just might have been busy, you know? But That's what I'm saying. He's really busy, but yeah. like, oh, darn, can't, can't go. I'm, sh- I'm shooting Alpha House. That's probably way after this. But <laughs> <laughs> um, this, so this episode, like every episode of Futurama, also features Billy West, Katie Seagal, the wonderful, amazing, talented Katie Seagal, um, John DiMaggio, and of course, uh, Phil Lamar. Uh, did I leave anyone out? I'm sure that I did. There's a lot of voice actors, obviously, but anybody of notes that any of your favorite, favorite voice actors, Frank Welker. You mentioned all the ones that I, that I know. 
or I'm aware of. Um, Frank Welker did the voice of the parrot in this episode, uh, as well as other various voices. (laughs) (laughs) He's a very famous, like, sound effects voice actor. Um, He does a lot of, like, animals and stuff and, like, Transformers voices. And yeah, I was reading about a, a bit of trivia about this episode. They they had him keep doing the squawk for the parrot uh, to try to find the most annoying possible version of it. Oh, the parrot is super annoying. He nailed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, there's like a hundred. He did like a hundred different squawks until they landed on that one. Oh, when Fry made the decision to get the parrot, I was like, why? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, especially after he turns down. The, the surface to Santa seeking missile rocket launcher from the previous store. I'm like, Leela, we all, Leela would totally dig the rocket launcher. Like, that, come on, Fry. That's but, exactly the kind of gift that, yeah, that Leela would enjoy. But if you'd gotten that, then uh, we would not have so much comedy gold. So there, I've answered my own question that I have, <laughs> uh, that I have so many comedy or sitcoms. I'm like, why would they do that? And my husband's like, because then there wouldn't be an episode. Yep. Yeah, the characters have to make stupid decisions sometimes for the plot to move forward. And, you know, it's a cartoon, so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, This episode was written by Peter Avanzino and, of course, Matt Groening uh, and David X. Cohen. Um, No, I'm sorry, directed by Peter Avanzino, written by Matt Groening, David X. Cohen. Uh, So before we get into, like, the episode itself... um, Amanda, what's your, like, what's your uh, relationship with Futurama, the show? Like, are you, are you a Simpsons fan? Are you more of a Futurama fan? Are you, like, a fan of one because you like the other? Okay, so when I was growing up, I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> uh, because I think mostly because of the strangling part stuff, <sighs> my mom felt like, uh, she was like, no, obviously that's like violent or whatever. And, and then it was just became even like, I never got into it after that. So, um, I started watching Futurama. I feel like in college, right. Is that, do I have the timeline wrong? I graduated in 2005. So I don't, I don't think I, I think that the timeline is correct. Hmm. I don't know well, where Fut- we Futurama are. first aired, I think in 99, 98 yes, or 99. There we go. Yes. Okay. So college was when I, so I got into Futurama first and then honestly started watching the Simpsons for the first time a couple of years ago. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is really great. Wish I'd been able to watch it when it was, uh, relative on there, <laughs> like, re- like current, like it's obviously still on, but, um, yeah. Do you, uh, do you like one more than the other? Would you say you're like a bigger Futurama fan? I don't feel like I like one more than the other. I think if I'm more in the mood for something that's just kind of, I hate to call it background noise, but I'm like, I just want to watch something and I don't, I'm not, I don't know what, I don't know what I actually desire to watch. I think the Simpsons is what I would gravitate towards. Cause they're just so clippy, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Futurama episodes tend, even though they do have like a segment where they're getting out a lot of one-liner jokes that they've probably brainstormed for the episode. It, they, I don't want to say they're more plot driven, but there tends, I feel like there tends to be a little bit more, uh, emotion there sometimes and a little more plot, you know, I don't know. 
So it's, it's honestly been a really long time since I watched an episode of Futurama. Like I said, I used to watch it all the time. Mm. Um, but when you asked me about this episode, I was like, oh yeah, I have it. And I, part of me was very afraid that one of the Christmas episodes was going to be the episode about the dog. And I was like, oh, oh I can't. Exactly. Yeah. God, <laughs> I was yeah. like, please don't make me watch that episode because it makes me cry all the time. <laughs> yeah, that one's rough. I, I know. I'm thankful. I, 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 now that you mention it, like I, that, I, that could be a Christmas episode. They could very easily be some kind of Christmas story. Thank goodness. It's not one of the ones we have to cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, comparing the Simpsons and Futurama, I started out as like a huge, huge Simpsons fan. I love both. Um, but I, but once I discovered Futurama, I was hooked and I thought like, it's a bigger sandbox than, than the Simpsons. Um, there's more possibilities. There's more like random cartoon things that can happen just because of, you know, technology and it being the future and whatever. And there's like already robots and things like that. Um, but at the same time, like it's, um, it, you know, like the, the Simpsons always had the, uh, the Halloween episodes where they could kind of oh, do that, you know, they could just go in whatever yes. kind of direction they want to. Um, yes. But I think Futurama benefits from being briefer than and, and actually having an ending, um, you know, over the Simpsons, which. Yeah, they don't a little really bit have. Bloated. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so this episode, this is the first Christmas episode that they do. So the you and I, before I started recording, we were talking a little bit about like, what is the setup of Futurama? What's the basic premise of it? Which um, listeners, I guess if you have never watched Futurama before. Um, and you decided to just watch this one episode in isolation, I guess like some things might need to be explained, but <laughs> but basically Fry was in the year 1999, he was a pizza delivery boy, uh, was delivering a pizza to some, cryo, some like scientists in a cryogenic lab and accidentally gets frozen for a thousand years. So when he's thought out in the future, um, this is what leads to the plot of this episode that he and his friends that work at the Planet Express delivery company are, I guess, uh, relaxing in the Catskills uh, on, on a ski trip. And they're taking in some co the head of Conan O'Brien com comedy, yes. live comedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Fry finds out what Xmas is in the future. Um, Pronounced Xmas. Yes. Xmas is the new pronunciation. It is not Christmas. It's Xmas. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas uh, is an archaic pronunciation. Love yeah, it. just like when he says axe or at, when he says ask instead of axe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so the they're all skiing. Fry talks about Xmas, talks about being nostalgic for it, the fact that he's alone, he's away from his family for the first time this this year. And um, so they all want to kind of like do something nice for Fry. Uh, he ends up going out because Leela, we find out like, well, I mean, we've already found out in previous episodes. Leela is an orphan. She's the only one of her kind that she knows of in the whole in the whole galaxy, as far as she knows at this point. Yeah, I had a question about that watching it. I always it was my understanding that she was one of like the mutant people who lives in the sewer. She so finds I that out later. Oh, spoiler! If you've yeah. never seen this show, <laughs> there, there's a there's an episode where yeah, no, she she meets her okay. mom and dad, and they live in the sewer. And um, man, it's it, that's another gut wrenching episode, like the dog episode. Like it, that's mm. a big episode for Leela, 
And it's very sad. If you haven't See, seen now, that. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I do remember that, but it's like, I, I knew that because I'd seen it so long ago, but my brain was like, don't remember how we got that knowledge. We just remembered that we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. Leela's a great character. Leela is, um, I love the characters on Futurama. I love every single one of them. We're going to talk about most of them, I think, but, uh, but especially, you know, Bender, obviously, because this is robots versus dinosaurs. So we got to talk about Bender a little bit. But Leela is such a well-written character and Katie Seagal just brings so much life to her with her, with her voice acting. Um, it's, it's awesome. I love how like she doesn't just exist as, you know, like the show, it takes place mostly from Fry's perspective, but she doesn't just exist as like, you know, the Fry's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like his uh, love interest or love like interest. foil. Yeah, no, she's definitely like an independent fully kind of form three-dimensional character like mm-hmm. they could write fry out of the show even though they wouldn't and they could like i don't know i'd watch a spinoff that was all about leela yeah she had <laughs> a life before the show started before yeah. fry showed up she has her own things going on she's the captain of the ship um yeah she's awesome i think she's one of my favorite characters on futurama and uh oh yeah so so in this episode, it's acknowledged that, you know, she's kind of, um, she's the only one who doesn't get Christmas cards because she doesn't really have a family yet. And it's so sad. And it's really sad. And so Fry decides to go out and, and do something for her uh, and tries to get her a present. Um, and then that leads to him uh, nearly falling off the building. And then Fry and Leela, uh, they kind of, they, 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 they explain that in this, in this future, um, Christmas is kind of like the purge every year. Like you cannot be out past sundown or Santa's going to get you. So that's exactly what happens to Leela and Fry and Santa attacks them and they end up fighting Santa back in the Planet Express. They blow him up in their chimney and then Bender serves um, the gift that Leela, the gift that Fry got Leela for Christmas dinner. Yeah. Uh, and they I, and they close it out on a musical number. Santa Claus is gunning you down. I would have felt a lot worse about that parrot being served up for Christmas dinner if that if the voice actor had not done such a phenomenal job of making it such an annoying. I was like, oh dear God, yeah. And I was like, I don't even care. And normally, I'm the kind of person who's like you killed an animal on the show and now I won't think anything is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's shout out to Frank Welker. That's that's real talent right there. That can make you hate a bird so much. (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention in my little like synopsis uh, that I stumbled through the, there was a post-credits scene. Did you stay tuned for the post-credits? I did. We Mm. get a Santa Claus robot shall return Mm post-credits scene. And uh, and that does come true, as uh, listeners may may find out when we release the next review. Um, there's another Futurama holiday special. I, I do take issue uh, with with the way it's worded, though, because Santa says, "I'll be back back when you least expect." Next to Xmas, that's exactly when I would expect him to come exactly. back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what when, I most expect. But also, that also begs the question. It's like, okay, so this. 
This robot was created in 2801. We discussed that before we started recording. Uh, so it's been a problem for like, what, 200 years? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, where is Santa the other 364 days of the year? And like, again, I'm asking questions that if they had real life answers, we wouldn't have this episode. Like, but it, it, he's coming on the most expected day of the year, like you pointed out. But it's also like, why aren't we taking care of him on any of the other days? No, we're just going to let him come down every every year one mm-hmm. night of the year and just launch uh rocket launchers and grenades at people and parrots and animals and robots alike that's that's what we're gonna do so so that is kind of the plot of the next Xmas special is they decide like we're gonna go do something uh-huh. about Santa we're gonna get out in front of this problem we're gonna take care of it there we go okay yeah. see I'm not asking totally uh stupid questions it's something the writers like we're gonna make content for that that's for the amandas of the world exactly (laughs) yeah you're asking the same questions the writers were which means you're asking the right questions um well Mm -hmm. let's let's dig into it then let's talk about the robots in this episode uh and i think i have a good way of getting into that i have a section of this podcast called lose big three and these are my three biggest questions that I had ask her after asking the uh, after ask after watching the episode. Lose big three. It's you and me. We're gonna have fun with lose big three. Yeah, we're gonna have fun with lose big three. Awesome. That's my friend <laughs> Ryan Lawler. So uh well, this is lose big three. Lose big three, number one. There were four main robots featured in this episode. There were a lot of others, but um, out of the four featured robots, which one of these is your favorite? There's Bender, of course, uh, and of course, Santa, Santa robot, robot Santa, um, Tinny Tim. I was, mm. and then Reverend Lionel, Reverend, Reverend Lionel Preacherbot. Mm. Tinny Tim is Tinny my Tim. favorite. Tinny Tim, I'm so hungry. Yes, <laughs> absolutely my favorite. Tinny Tim is great. I, I love that uh, there's an ongoing bit with all robots that they they need booze to function. And I had forgotten that. I was like, oh, that's right. They got a drink. <laughs> yeah, there's an episode. I forget where it's. I forget when it is, but ben, there's one episode where Bender like runs out of booze and he starts to get like rust stubble on his face. Um, oh. And he starts to basically act, he starts to slur his words and be stumbling around because he's too sober. <laughs> so that's why, is that why Tinny Tim is like sickly and has a limp? Like, cause he hasn't mm-hmm. had enough booze. Yeah. And I love, I love that bit that like even Tinny Tim, the like little, you know, sweet innocent robot needs booze. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please, sir. May I have a sip of booze? That's, I think he said, I think he calls it something else, but that's what Preacher Bot's like, sorry, it's all gone. <laughs> that's not the Preacher Bot voice, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, Reverend, Reverend Lionel Preacher Bot. Uh, so, so, um, Santa Bot, we talked a little bit about like Santa was built in 2801 by the Friendly Robotic Company. Um, they built a robot Santa basically to determine who'd been naughty and who'd be, who'd been nice and something went wrong. There was a programming error and his standards were set too high. And he started judging everyone as naughty after that. 
Uh, and so that resulted in like the world that they live in now, which is once a year, it's the purge on Christmas Eve because Santa will, um, what are some of the things they said he would do? Like rip your head off and stuff your neck full of presents. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that is the first one I thought of. So now my brain is, is quickly trying to think of something else they would say he does. Uh, I know he, he says, he says to Fry at one point, uh, I'm going to shove coal so far up your stocking. You're going to puke, not puke diamonds, but cough up diamonds, cough up diamonds. <laughs> uh, and sometimes he just goes, goes with the classic Tommy gun. <laughs> yes. Of course. He also has something called, it's a great, it's a great joke. Um, Leela and Fry at one point running away from uh, Santa Bot uh, find themselves under the mistletoe. And it's one of those, <laughs> will they, won't they moments for that happened throughout the seat, the show for Fry and Leela. Uh, but before they, before they do, Santa Claus says, you may be standing under the mistletoe, but that won't save you from my toe missile. <laughs> and it's T O. <laughs> W and yep. I have been, I'm like it's an acronym I'm like do, do, what does toe stand for I don't know is do we know yes it's an army thing it's a okay two blanche optically tracked wire guided <laughs> I it's love an, it it's an anti tank missile oh yeah. obviously and that's what the parrot gets hit with awesome so it's <laughs> it's even funnier that there's anything left of that parrot by the time the episode is done. <laughs> Oh man, but it's it's such a good gag though, and of course, uh, Fry. One of the gifts that he, we talked about this earlier, but one of the gifts that he almost gets is that surface to Santa rocket launcher. Oh, Should have gotten it, man. Yeah, Should have got uh, it. It comes with three jolly seeking missiles. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess I don't know. Would those would those uh, lock on to Santa? Is Santa jolly? Is this? That's Santa- a good question. I don't think he is. I mean, he clearly enjoys his work. So he's happy. He's fulfilled. He's contented. Yeah. But I, but that's not jolly. <laughs> no, um, they they do make a couple of other good like like Santa Claus Christmas jokes like that. Like his belly is shaking like it's full of nitroglycerin, like a bowl full a of bowl nitroglycerin. Full of nitroglycerin. Yes. Uh, there's a uh, bit where Leela's like Fry is in danger, and someone says why, and she's like I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Coming to town. They all run out. Yes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so Fry almost gets the the surface Santa rocket launcher, but instead he gets a he goes to a pet store, and um, this is going to lead into my second big question for this episode: lose big three number two, Amanda. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you were to uh, go into this futuristic pet store and you had your choice between the following animals, which one would you take home? Uh, an eight legged dog, a one eared rabbit, a tiny giraffe an electric snail, or 500 stink lizards, or of course, a parrot. <laughs> um, so I, this is actually something I made notes about. I was like, A, both both the tiny giraffe and the electric snail are super cute. I was like, mm. who picks a stink lizard over a super... I mean, the giraffe is just adorable. It fits in the little parrot cage. It is so... So I, 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 it's hard for me to decide because I'm like, the, the, the electric snail would be really good at parties. You know, mm. like really, I feel like there's lots of good party tricks there because he's got the, you know, the electric currents. But but the but the giraffe just looks cuddly. It, like, would a miniature giraffe be cuddly or would they still act like a giraffe? I don't know. Pa- passing on the spider dog, though? Yeah, I think so. That's a lot of legs. It's a lot of That's, legs. It's a lot of legs. <laughs> <laughs> 
you hear that thing running across the floor all the time. Yes, I don't know. It just, uh, that, that, that little tiny, the miniature giraffe was just so cute. The, the mini giraffe is my choice too. It is, okay. it's adorable. It's, it's a mammal. I also think the electric snail would hurt me. Um, oh. you know, not on purpose even, but it would just zap me all the time. So, and I don't like rabbits. So the, the one-eared rabbit is out. The um, one-eared rabbit is also really weird looking. I mean, he, mm-hmm. I also thought the expression on, on his face that they drew was one of like, I don't know what I'm doing and I hate myself and I hate everyone. Like, I'm a very miserable one-eared rabbit, so. That rabbit is based on a um, Matt Groening, uh, I think, comic, like an early comic that he would draw before The Simpsons uh, called Bongo. it's a one-eared rabbit named bongo i that's that's literally the extent of what i know about it though i just know that that was like a reference to it um in this episode uh what else oh oh yeah one other one other bit about like the 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 parrot um it leads to my favorite gag in this episode which is when uh the so i guess actually two of my favorite gags back to back fry ends up getting the he decides to get the parrot as a gift as a christmas gift sorry i'm pronouncing it wrong xmas gift for leela x yeah get it right lou and uh, we gotta talk (laughs) like we're in the year 3000 and so he ends up getting the parrot um and immediately as soon as he's leaving the pits or immediately drops the cage it escapes and he yells after it stupid bird i know where you live (laughs) very funny yes yes and he's she's chasing it around and chases it to the top of this building and there is this great sequence where he's falling but he he catches himself on a clock but it's a digital clock and the numbers are changing and it's such a smart visual gag um it's it's just absolutely brilliant i think it's like the best example of why futurama is one of the best animated cartoons that's ever been written did you and did you see the sign when he walks out on the ledge no, it's a it's a dangerous ledge. No banana peels, because <laughs> everyone is bringing their banana peels out to dangerous ledges. I watched this episode like th- four times just for this podcast, and I like and I've seen it at least five or six times in the past, and I didn't even catch that. There were new things I was picking up, like every like every single time I watched it, just for four times I watched it for this for this show. Um, it's so dense with jokes, signs, things in the background. Uh, one thing, I think we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but there's a gag where Bender opens up his Xmas card from his mom. And of course, Bender is a robot that was made in the factory. And the card is addressed to son number 1729. <laughs> And I looked, I was looking in, in like the trivia section on IMDb for this episode. And they mentioned that 1729 is not just a throwaway gag. It is the, uh, it's, it's referred to in math as the taxi cab number, um, also known as Ramanujan's number uh, or the Ramanujan Hardy number. And it's because it is, and stay with me on this. It is the smallest number expressible as the sum of two cubes in two different ways. Those two different ways, of course, Amanda, as we both know, being uh, one third, one third, Jesus. Yeah, I sound really smart. One cubed plus 12 cubed. <laughs> 
approved. You do actually, because I you explained this to me before the show, and I'm already lost in the second explanation. <laughs> I'm only I'm not explaining it to you as much so much as I am reading it verbatim. Um, oh, so <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I I only here's the thing. I understand the concept of this number. So it's based the number one one thousand seven hundred twenty nine can be expressed by the following two equations. 1 cubed plus 12 cubed, or 9 cubed plus 10 cubed. And that is a statistical, I guess, uh, phenomenon. But I, I don't know why it's remarkable. I guess, I don't know. It's it's cool. It's cool that it's a thing and <laughs> that they were able to make a joke about it on Futurama. <laughs> so I, I guess... Because obviously, does it have what is what is the okay? Say so. It's the number is equal to the mm-hmm. the two one of the two formulas the one one cubed plus the twelve cubed or what was it nine cubed plus ten cubed? Yeah. So it's the fact that you can you can express it as two sums. I'm sorry, as the sum of two cubed numbers, and it's the smallest number that you can do that with. So there are uh, several other numbers that you could say, like, you know, whatever, seven cubed plus eight cubed. Um, but that's a bigger number than 1729. So 1729 is remarkable in that it's the smallest possible number that can be expressed. I don't I wonder how many listeners have just turned oh, off the podcast. Yeah, no, I no, I think that they no, I <laughs> see, I would be the person who is like, they're going to get it. And then they're going to explain it to me. Dear listener, I don't think either of us are going to get it. Sorry. No. Well, what is yeah. it? It's the smallest number possible. So is that is is that what is that part of the funny? Like, is it saying something like, "Oh, Bender's mom is like named after one of the smallest possible"? That's see, that's where I'm like, do uh, we do we understand the math part of the joke enough to make a connection to the characters? Let me add, let me add this detail and see if it helps us in any way. Um, the reason it's called the taxicab number or Ramana John Hardy's number is that when the British mathematician G.H. Hardy was visiting Indian mathematician Srinivas Ramanujan in the hospital, oh. uh, he they they apparently had a conversation that the taxicab he rode in was taxi number 1729. Mm-hmm and remarked that that number seemed rather dull, and he hoped it wasn't an unfavorable omen. And so the other mathematician replied, no, it's actually a very interesting number because it is the smallest number expressible as the sum of two cubes in two different ways. Oh, mathematicians being so cute and funny. That's, aww. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I get, I get the... I get the... I get what it means. I just don't get the significance of it, you know? So... I'm going to take a stab here and I'm going to say, I don't know that there is any significance. I think it's just an Easter egg for people who might be in the know. Cause you said that yeah. it, what was Matt, Matt Groening, like graining. See, I, I know. I, I don't I'm actually not, know not, how I'm to pronounce. Correct. Yeah, exactly. I'm not correcting your pronunciation. I don't know the pronunciation. I could have looked it up. I mean, I've seen it written so many times. I've just never bothered to, <laughs> to figure out. How. But like for the for people who know that he likes those jokes, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's the the story about the British guy who went to go visit the Indian mathematician in the hospital, and it's actually a really significant <laughs> number." It's it's uh, I don't know. Maybe that's me just saying. 
But it's I like where fun. I like where you took it to. Like, well, what what does this mean about Bender though? Does that does that mean Bender is like the smallest possible whatever? Who knows? Um, it's but it's fun. I guess it's fun to speculate on. Like, uh, why why wasn't his mom like a taxi cab robot or something? That would have mm. been hilarious. <laughs> Um, okay, so I have one more big question about this episode. Lose big three. Number three, Amanda, mm-hmm. if you could achieve the form of immortality that Futurama promises of having your head preserved in a jar in perpetuity, uh, which means that assistants have to carry it around, of course, and they have to like basically feed you fish food from the, in the top of your tank uh, when you get hungry, which I don't know why you get hungry because you don't have a digestive system, but we we probably can't get into the science of any. I of that. had that question too. I was like, wait. <laughs> my my question, my actual question is, if you had this done to you, if you had this procedure done, um, who, what other heads would you want to be sto- placed in storage next to? Because you're going to be placed on like a shelf oh. somewhere. So, what other heads would you want preserved near you? Oh, that's a really good, see, I thought you were going to be asking me like, would I do it and why? But now you've asked me who I would be with. Mm. Interesting. Well, I'm taking Uh, it for granted that you would do, of course you would do it. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) I don't like just being ahead. I mean, I personally would not like, I mean, I'm like not dying. That sounds great to me. Um, But just being ahead would be, I guess you'd get used to it. I mean, you could only have phantom body syndrome for so long, right? Or you could do what uh, Robot Nixon does in this show where he gets like a robot body. That's right. Okay. I would definitely get a robot body. Um, Who would I be stored with though? I'm assuming celebrities or can I be stored with anybody? In the show, it's mostly presidents and celebrities, Uh, but it could be anybody. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Uh let's say uh well, I think Paula Pell is seriously very funny. Uh and I haven't watched Girls Five ever yet, but uh loved her on AP Bio and a couple other things. So that would be like my comedian choice. Nice. Uh maybe uh I- I'm AOC is my representative. So I mean I'm assuming she would be a head in a jar. Uh that would be cut that would be really cool. Um, or maybe she wouldn't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's okay. two answers for you. <laughs> Very nice. Awesome. Uh, so, well, realistically, would you, would you have this done if it was an option? I, oh man, I would want to. Cause like I said, like I, I've always said like, oh, if there's an option for immortality, I'm taking that. Like I would do, I just, I don't why die if you don't have to Mm. uh like but uh only having your head left that's a lot that's you can't move you can't do Mm -hmm. anything for yourself like you said you're reliant on other people to feed you that fish food or to take you out for a walk you know Mm -hmm. um yeah let's say i would though i mean let's say i would yeah because you could get the robot body yeah i think as long as that's on the table i would do it yeah. Yeah. And you could still do like VR experiences, right? As a, a disembodied head. Totally. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So those were my big three questions about the episode. Um, are 
are because we asked like this is the supposedly uh one of my guests pointed this out to me a few months ago um i i I always say the premise of this show is we try to determine which one is cooler but then i never ask like which one is cooler so amanda uh based on well not just based on this episode but since we just talked about this episode you know using bender and robot santa and of course tinny tim as examples which is cooler robots or dinosaurs robots I'm basing that mostly on this episode and Futurama itself. Yeah, the robots in Futurama are so fucking cool. Um, I think because they're, they're, uh, they're, I don't, I hate to say, has it say like flawed characters or whatever, but a lot of times when you see like robots in movies or TV shows, they're so perfect, you know, they're superhuman. They look perfect. They've got super like strengths or powers or, There's just something about them that's otherworldly and, you know, AI that's threatening to take over the world or whatever. Like, they're better than us. They're better than the meat sacks that made them. But in Futurama, the robots are just as shitty and awful as the people. So, and like, just as broken down, just as flawed, you know, like, so they're just, they're really cool. Because like, like you said, there's a lot of possibility and there's a lot of there's a lot of realm to the world of Futurama. And I think their interpretation of robots is what lends itself to that possibility. That's awesome. So I'm definitely going to count this as this is a plus one for robots then. Plus, plus one, plus one. Dope. Um, awesome. You said, did you have some questions about this episode? Uh, some of them I already asked. Uh, the I had, I remember when I was watching this because uh, Conan's, What's Conan's sidekick? Dies? Max the, Brenner. Max Brenner. And I was Someone like, how is it? Someone forgot to feed Max Brenner. But somebody forgot to feed him the fish food. But then I was like, where does the fish food go? Is it specialized, uh, gets uh, absorbed by your brain, fish food? Uh, no, they, they show it. They show in, in, not in this episode, but they definitely show somebody like putting like little drops in there and then they scoop it up with their mouths. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, all that technology, you can build... You can build a a, a, a death wielding Santa robot that flies in the sky, but you can't figure out a way to get people's disembodied heads not to be in a vat of water or liquid or whatever it is. <laughs> that I love it. Yeah. So I think that was the only thing, and like my just like obviously. I'm glad that they take care of Santa in the next episode because that was a big question that I had. Oh, and uh, apparently Zoidberg uh, is like the titular hero of this episode. <laughs> yeah. so he, funny. He gets a pogo stick from Santa as a, as the, a gift. He's the, he's the only, only one. one that's not naughty. And I was like, if I, it's like I said, I haven't watched Futurama in a long time, but I watched this episode twice. And I was like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Zoidberg the one who's like constantly eating shit? He shouldn't eat and fucking up and like mm-hmm. touch it. And the beginning of the episode, he totally shoves Hermes down the bobsled thing on purpose. I think on to like, so I'm like, what, like, why does Santa bot like Zoidberg? Cause clearly it's a favoritism. It's yeah. not that he's never done anything naughty. It also comes back to like like in uh, Hermes. Hermes hates Zoidberg. Hermes openly expresses disgust towards Zoidberg all That's the right. time. I, I wonder if it's about that here. I wonder if it's like because he shoved him or whatever uh, down the bobsled mm-hmm. thing. Because this is this is this is. I noticed Hermes was nice to Zoidberg in this one. He um, 
mostly because they wanted to pull off this gag, but he's one of the people that uh, they all did the gift of the Magi thing and sold their hair for combs. And then it turns out Zoidberg was the one that got all of their hair, um, which, you know, it's a good thing that they all got him combs as Christmas present because now he has all his hair. (laughs) Uh, But that was like Hermes being nice to Zoidberg, which he is never nice to him. He's always openly hostile towards him, calls him like a dirty crustacean and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so those, yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. Um, yeah, but then, like you said, he's competent at the end of this episode because he uses Futurama always uses the whole buffalo. Uh, Zoidberg is the only one that gets the pogo stick. He then uses that pogo stick to save the day because he bounces high enough to cut the Christmas light, which swings down and spart and like uh, shorts out. Santa, and then they're able to shove him into the chimney. Shove him, yeah. Uh, just before he blows up. But he's such a goofball, screw up character that I'm like, I, when I watched it the first time, I thought, oh, he just happened to bounce that high on the pogo stick. But no, when I was watching the second time, I was like, oh, he has that a look in his eye. He's like, oh, yeah. The Soidberg's making a choice. Uh, that's not that's not normal Soidberg. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're saying i and i can <laughs> i can wrap my head around the moment though because it's a pogo stick like it's a be, pogo stick because his action hero moment is so goofy because it's on a pogo stick i can that's I, the, that's what I was needed for suspension of disbelief yes <laughs> yeah um awesome we have uh the so this is a section of the podcast that you are well aware of because uh, you've been on a on a previous episode, what's your snack, Amanda? What's your snack? Did you enjoy was, any snacks while watching this episode? Do you have like a favorite Christmas snack, holiday snack? Oh, so I I did not eat snacks while I watched this episode because I watched the first time on my way to work on the subway and then on my way back on the subway. Um, but I'm not anti eating food in the subway. I want to make that very clear. I mean, wear your masks, but. Uh, I've had people who don't live in New York be like, eating food in the subway is gross. I'm like, clearly you've never had to be in Brooklyn from uh, the Upper East Side in a a certain amount of time and Mm -hmm. you didn't eat at work. So don't talk to me about that. Um, Christmas holiday snack. I was really, I'm going to answer that one, but I was really excited about this because I realized I have a new regular movie snack that I make at home. Okay. Uh, And it's salt and vinegar popcorn. Uh, so you, you melt, you pop, you air pop the popcorn or you put it on stove and then you take like, uh, I think it's two tablespoons butter to half the tablespoon or tablespoon of vinegar. You melt the butter down and then you mix it with the, I use apple cider vinegar and you, you drizzle it on the popcorn and then you toss it with salt and voila, you have salt and vinegar popcorn. It's amazing. It's really good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really good. Oh man. Yeah, that's a good snack. All right. A good snack. Um, my, I think my favorite holiday snack is, oh man, it's, it's, it's down to uh, either like a chocolate orange because mm-hmm. a chocolate, uh, does eggnog count as a snack? I don't know if it I counts s- as a snack. I, you know, I say yes, go for it. I mean, it's seasonal. It's hearty. Everyone's always saying like, Guinness is the bread of beer. I feel like eggnog is the bread of holiday drinks. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So, okay, so eggnog, eggnog is my favorite thing, my favorite food or drink item 
around the holidays. But I'm, if I'm going to say, if I'm going to be like be strict with the rules and say it has to be like an edible, chewable snack, uh, chocolate orange. And if you've never had a chocolate orange, you gotta, you gotta get one. They're amazing. They're really good. And they're fun. You like slam them down to break them into pieces and then you get to eat the pieces. That's a fun snack. So love that snack. Um, okay. My other, my other bonus question, my final question, if we were to recast any two Futurama characters as Danny DeVito and Whoopi Goldberg, who would you recast? How would it improve this episode of Futurama Xmas story? Yes. I actually forgot about this. Um, so I feel like the obvious answer for Santa robot is Danny DeVito. Mm. I like that to me, but also I kind of feel like I would love to see a Whoopi Goldberg version of the Santa death robot. Like <laughs> that would be cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. But she'd also be a really great Leela. Mm, she would be a good Leela. Yeah. I, yeah. I would want to see her as Leela. And I'm just saying this because, of course, um, Sister Act and Sister Act 2, I think she'd be a good <gasps> reverend preacher bot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think if I'm going to put DeVito somewhere in the episode, I want to maybe like, I don't know if it's like instead of Conan, but maybe in addition to Conan, the head of Danny DeVito somehow makes an appearance like in this comedy club. That would be, that's where I would put Danny DeVito in. Danny Danny DeVito can be, yeah, he he might also be good at, you know, the old lady that they rob, the robots? Yes, yes. I feel like that would be a really funny, if he was like the old man they robbed versus instead of an old lady. That That, could, that that has a lot of stuff you could, you could put in there. (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, Listeners, I encourage you to write your hate mail uh, or, or your fan mail. Um, tell us, you know, any any questions that you might have about robots, about dinosaurs, about Futurama uh, at robosvdinos at gmail.com or you can find us on all of the social medias. Um, Amanda, is there anything that you want to say to the listeners before we wrap up? No. <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy holidays, I guess. Awesome. It was a lot of fun having you on today. Thank um, you. I can yeah oh go ahead sorry just i enjoyed being here thank you for having me awesome can you tell the listeners where they where else they can find you or where they can see some of your work um i perform uh monthly with our bar and i'm also a writer for our bar um and I, if you go to their facebook channel there are archive zoom shows so if you need something right away that is pre-recorded that is a great resource, uh, but there are live monthly shows at a bar in Murray Hill in New York called Falcha the first Wednesday of every month. That's right. Yeah. And there's uh, going to be a link to that website and, of course, the Facebook page so you can catch some of our Zoom shows there. Um, and yeah, we'll see it. We'll see you again soon. Uh, so this marks this is this is two robot movies that we've talked about. Um, yes. Is there any chance that listeners might find you on a future episode talking about a dinosaur movie? Are there any dinosaur movies that you'd want to cover? Um, yes. You and I had had talked at one point. I'm not gonna get the name wrong. Colossal? It's not really a dinosaur. It's but a kaiju, you said, though. Yes. You said you would accept that. And there's also yeah. a robot in the thing. So yeah. love, would love to talk about that one. I feel like that one is a... 
interesting one. Awesome. Let's make that happen. Okay. So, okay. Um, listeners, thank uh, you. Got that to look forward to. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. Happy holidays. Yeah, we're going to have fun with Loose Big Three.